This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. We're part of something much bigger than sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We explore the big money issues in the world of sports on the field and off. Today, a fantastic guest who has a lot to talk about of late and across his widening portfolio. Talk about Super Bowl champion Indomitian Sue. Indomitian, really nice to have you with us, and congratulations. Thank you very much. It's uh, been a pleasure, and I'm glad to be back on uh, on Bloomberg. Yeah, well, a whirlwind for sure. Uh, talk to me first about, before we get into like the deep business stuff, I, I got to ask you, you know, winning your first ring, your first championship, uh, what does that mean for you sort of as an athlete? And, and I guess what does it mean to you, you know, in the context of the broader things that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I think it means the world to myself and my family. Uh, it's been something that we've been striving for and for many, many years. And obviously, at the older you get, the tougher it kind of gets, um, just or from that particular window, depending on, on who you are. And even though I feel like I got a lot of a lot of time left to play in the NFL. Uh, it's it's something an ultimate goal because I've been super blessed to have a ton of individual accolades from All Pros and Pro Bowls and things of that nature. So it's it, it feels that much better to win a, a, the ultimate team reward in a Super Bowl championship. And Dominica, it's Mike up in Boston. Uh, really great to talk with you. I've talked with so many uh, NFL players, and they talked about the importance of having a ring on their finger. Now, you're a, um, a Super Bowl ring I'm talking about, and um, mm-hmm. you're a guy who has multiple business uh, ventures, and they said it makes a huge difference when you go to close a deal, when you go in for a loan, when you go in to put a group together. Mm-hmm. Having that ring on your finger, it just has a psychological impact. Uh, you've had yet to experience that yet, but is that something that, that, that am I getting warm or getting hot on some type of idea here? Well, well, I hope it's true because uh, I look forward to, to having the opportunity to, to have those experiences now that I finally accomplished that goal. Uh, and truthfully, I would imagine so. Um, just thinking about realizing people saying, oh, you're obviously a champion, you understood uh, the trials and tribulations to, to get to where you are and, and, and found ways to, to reach success. And so uh, I think the people out in the world that say, all right, you're, you're a champion, you know ways know how to be successful and uh, you're not going to particularly fail in the endeavors that you choose to do outside of the field. And so when you think about putting together your portfolio, you know, as, as we've sort of dug into it, it, it has evolved um, and widened over the past few years, that's for sure. And as you look at sort of your investments in the hospitality business and consumer retail and uh, you're like so many people out there and involved in a SPAC. We'll get into all of that, but but give us the the overall kind of ethos. What's the design as you think about putting together Sue Inc., as it were? 
Yeah, Sioux Inc., and, and, and that's a great way to put it, it is definitely broadened and gotten bigger uh, and more ambitious over the years just from the standpoint of my exposure to so many different things and, and the ability to understand that I can help in a, in a lot of different ways. And that's where I really kind of pride myself. I, I went to school for engineering, and I, had, I run to my family with my dad being a mechanical engineer. Uh, and I was primarily focused on, on the uh, construction management side of things, and that's exactly what I'm getting into now and, and what I have with my development company and real estate being uh, one of those pieces that I, I believe is very important in anybody's particular portfolio from the standpoint of generational wealth. Uh, and then <clears throat> having aspirations in the hospitality world, uh, I didn't get this big without eating uh, a bunch, <laughs> so uh, I, I feel like I know food pretty well. Uh, and in addition to that, I've got amazing partners that I work with and, and find ways to be creative, to create different concepts, uh, as well as to be able to have just strong relationships. You, you mentioned being a, uh, a part of the SPAC, uh, which I was very proud of and having that opportunity to be a part of FAST um, with Doug Jacobs and then obviously here soon uh, with Tillman Fertitta. So I'm excited about all the opportunities that have been afforded to me, but also at the same time, I know that I'm going to continue to add value to each and every single endeavor uh, in my own particular way <clears throat> so they can reach success and, and beyond. And Domica, now that you are a Super Bowl champion, more people are going to be coming at you uh, with business ventures, uh, uh, investment opportunities. How do you filter uh, the uh, the haves and the have-nots and the, the, uh, the phonies and the frauds from the real deals? Yeah, that is a great question. There is uh, filtering through deals is one of the most difficult things, especially when, like I said, I've had a lot of exposure and so my my pipelines are, are pretty deep. But um, when I look at it from the, from my perspective, a lot of the deals that I get involved in uh, are either close relationships, uh, whether that's Andreessen Horowitz or General Atlantic or L. Catterton or uh, MVP Marcy Venture Partners with Jay Jay Brown and Jay Z. So having those kind of as my core guys, and then obviously from the real estate perspective, I've got a great mentor in Gary Schiffman out of Sun Communities with a REIT that he, uh, that's a publicly traded REIT that's amazing and continue to grow uh, at an astronomical standpoint. And so those are kind of my core ways of, of getting involved in certain particular deals. And, and, and then as I take things inbound, uh, it's usually coming through a, a vetted source. And if it's not, then uh, I really just have the opportunity to have a team with me, where that's my 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 counsel that I have in house, and or uh, some of the different people that I have that I work with uh, on a day to day basis. Uh, the Todd Perry's of the world, uh, and and obviously a lot of people know of my relationship with Mr. Buffett, so I get to bounce things off of him as well. So, just overall, have a strong uh, a lot of connectivity to to be able to vet through things and different opportunities that come across my desk. And Tom, can t- talk to me more about sort of the private equity and venture capital side of this, because you have distinguished yourself in, in that regard, because I don't think, you know, we talk to a lot of athletes, current and former, about their business empires and their relationships, but, you know, really locking into to that investment asset class in, in some ways, the, you know, growth equity in, in terms of GA and and certainly VC with with Andreessen Horowitz. I mean, these are gold plated names, some of the best in in the business. How do those relationships come about, and 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 how do you sort of cultivate them? Yeah, those relationships. A lot of them come through. Uh, really, I'll, I'll give you the best example. Uh, I was playing at the time 
uh, in Miami, and Mr. Uh, Stephen Ross, one of the, our owner there, a great human being, uh, had the op- opportunity the first time I was there to shadow him and related. So I have a strong relationship there, and that that expanded, and and he has strong relationships with Mr. Ford uh, for General Atlantic. So I got to shadow him and, and build and just learn from that perspective, and that's really how that relationship cultivated. And moving over to Andreessen. Uh, I got to meet one of the partners there, uh, a very smart guy, and, and Jeff Jordan, and, and, and sit in his office and, and talk to him about a handful of different things and also had some other strong ties via Stanford uh, that connected me into those uh, particular realms. And so it really, a lot of these relationships, I, I identify them and, and say, hey, this, this company has been doing tremendous, I have a tremendous track record. I want to understand how they're, they've gotten to that track record and really just go in there from a learning perspective. Uh, and then obviously, from that standpoint, I built relationships with the different folks with, with no real agenda. And then obviously, you have the op- opportunity later on as you've gotten to know folks and uh, they get to know you and know that you're uh, a real per- person and, and, and really have the ability to not only be an athlete, work that 9 to 5 or 10, 10, to, 10 to 6, whatever it may be, but then on the flip side, still be able to communicate, respond to emails on time, uh, be able to maneuver uh, during the normal working hours. And for me, I, I really don't kind of sleep on the weekends. Uh, for myself, I'm working on the weekends as well. So just seeing that you're a real person and that you're you're not, uh, I guess, a typical athlete that just yeah. kind of focuses on just their sport, which isn't anything wrong with that because football and or any basketball, any other sport is very difficult, but I like to broaden my horizons and be able to expand and, and, and be able to have a bigger workload. And, and that's something that my, I feel like my parents afforded to me. You know, that, that's the question I was just going to ask you. Uh, no disrespect to many of your teammates, but while some are sitting around the couch playing video games, you're job shadowing your boss, Mr. Ford, yep. Mr. Ross. And so where did this curiosity to sharpen your business acumen, where, where are the, the origins? I think you just tipped it off, your parents, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, my parents. And my parents always taught me uh, really just the focus to be able to, whatever you want to accomplish, you got to go out there and get it on your own. And, and that watching them and hearing the stories of how they grew up, uh, my mom from Jamaica, my dad from Cameroon, and then making their way over here to the U.S. Uh, in their own particular ways, I see it no different than me being even first generation here. There's still a lot of work for me, uh, even though I was afforded a lot. And so the curiosity truthfully came from them and just watching myself grow up and cutting lawns as a little kid, for their rental apartments. And then as I've gotten older and gotten into the league, like I said, Gary Schiffman was my real heavy dose of real estate and how I can expand and seeing all the different types of, of markets of real estate and got to sit in his office. And he really took me under his wing and showed me how uh, I could expand and grow outside of football at the same time. He w- he always pushed me to be very cognizant of, of my sport, make sure I take care of business there. But at the same time, you you had the capacity to do other special things, and, and so that's really where uh, I owe a lot to him, let alone my parents as well. And so, and Dominican, you know, tell us about the hospitality business because you know mm-hmm. you like the rest of us have seen it just absolutely <laughs> crushed over the last year in this pandemic. What were the decisions that you made, or what are some of the things that you saw? Um, you know, especially as I think about. The, the SPAC and and the 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 merger with Fertitta that you mentioned earlier, you know, how are you looking at the hospitality business right now? Yeah, the hospitality business obviously took a major hit because of the pandemic. And I think 
early on, people saw a lot of negative pieces. But I think when you have creative uh, ideas and great concepts and you have the ability to be nimble and flexible with understanding that people were getting tired of cooking at home and, and running to the store first thing in the morning like my mother did and then coming back before the, the huge rush came in and just to have their groceries, people wanted to start to eat out uh, a little bit. But that eating out looked a lot different from you going into the uh, particular restaurants and more or less a lot of takeout. So you got to ramp up your takeout aspects. Uh, but then just like any other business or any other uh, silo, there's ebbs and flows. It's going to be, they're going to hit very high peaks and they're obviously going to be able to done it come to come down and if you can weather some of those storms especially if you look at the assets that uh tillman has in in, in some of those pieces i think there's a lot of great things that will are going to bounce back and it's just a matter of time and, and cultivating and, and fine-tuning them to to can get them focused for the consumer uh and how they've kind of changed and adapt and then be able to uh come out ready to uh serve and and, and really be hospitable if I may, yeah, it, it's funny you, you bring that up, Duncan, because uh, I know the General Atlantic guys pretty well, and Bill Ford specifically, and he and I have spent a ton of time talking about Torchy's Tacos, you know, as like a great mm-hmm. example of that pretty substantial shift that they've had to make to delivery and pickup. And I think all in all, they have not actually seen their business diminish, but the shift in terms of on-premise versus off has obviously changed dramatically and may not sort of swing back. So I would imagine that as you think about the hospitality business and especially the food business, you sort of, you may have a different sort of, to use a term Lynch used earlier, sort of a different filter as you think about investments going forward. Yeah, no question. And really, when you look at it, it's like, do these companies have the ability to do that and yeah. are willing to change versus saying, no, this is our mold. This is the only way we're going to kind of focus. And then you look at drive-through concepts and, 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 you, and you find ways like, how do I re- make it look, I'm going to have probably a smaller indoor space and bigger outdoor, at least here in Portland. I know uh, there's a lot of outdoor opportunities where people, they've closed down streets and the city's been very flexible with a lot of different things. So just understanding the municipalities and how they want to function when you want to dive in a little bit deeper uh, and look from a high level perspective, but then obviously look from uh, uh, a very focused uh, anticipation of how the, how things are going to particularly move and, and where they're going to move to and, and being able to adjust and adapt. All right, Indomica, I'll be the guy talking about the elephant in the room since I'm up here in Boston. <laughs> and we haven't brought up Tom Brady's name once in the last 17 minutes. His impact yeah. on your team. Obviously, we saw the final results. We saw that you're a business guy. The bottom line is all that counts. But getting to that mm-hmm. bottom line, how much of an integral part of the success of that team was Tom Brady just changing culture and add anything that we haven't been able to figure out for ourselves? Yeah, I think Tom is, was a big part of it. And, and I think for, especially from the offensive perspective of, of him being able to kind of come in there, take the reins, uh, dial in those particular guys uh, and how they wanted to run the offense on that, that side of the ball. And really, when you look at Tampa, how I looked at them when I moved, when, when I decided to make a decision to move over there in 2019, that team was loaded with talent. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Rojo, and then you add all the additional pieces with obviously Grant, Tom, A.B., uh, Leonard Fournette, and then you turn around and look at our defense and having number one rush defense, and then obviously we struggled in, pa- in pass from the perspective of our, of, our, uh, of our young guys just needing to grow up a little bit, which they did a tremendous job, and I'm proud of each and every one of them on the back end 
uh, and that's why we got to where we were of being able to win a championship. The talent was there. It was just about about cultivating it, putting it together, and everybody getting on the same page. And those are the continuous conversations that we have as veterans for myself, what Tom brings, because he obviously has the expertise uh, of winning championships and being able to infiltrate the entire team collectively uh, as a veteran group and making sure everybody from uh, the 53-man on the roster to the, the number one guy on the roster, everybody's on the same page, and VA did an amazing job at that. And so that's where I think we found our success, and we, that's where we're fortunate enough to get to where we are uh, and be able to play for a championship, let alone win it. So I know you're in the midst of uh, a lot of delicate decision making, and uh, we will be respectful of that. But you know, talk to us a little bit about the business of you know, sort of the the football business side of mm-hmm. Sue Inc. as it were, and how you approach in general sort of contract negotiations, thinking about your career, because that obviously is is a big part of the broader uh, business of you. Yeah, without question, and, and and I enjoy the business side of of football, and really have taken a big liking to it. Especially before I moved to Miami, I, I took the my third, fourth, and uh, fifth year in Detroit to really start to understand the contracts, the different pieces from that perspective. Also, understanding the cap, also understanding uh, cash over cap, and, and teams being able to be flexible. Uh, if they really want you, um, and finding ways to do it. And so it's just a matter of uh, if the stars want to be aligned, they can be aligned. And it's about people understanding, working together to, to create that. And so um, the more educated I got throughout the process of being more involved with my agents and then now being in a position to where I can re- represent myself uh, is really exciting. And from my perspective, contracts are, are no different than uh, any other business deal. Uh, it just happens to be in the sports realm versus in the in, in the uh real estate realm or hospitality realm or anything, they're all the same. And it's about crafting something that fits for both sides uh, and and making sure that both sides can be happy with what was agreed upon. Domkin, when you're in season, how do you find time to be such a a business entrepreneur and also be an all-pro caliber uh, football player? Because we all know that football, once the camp starts uh, in July, it's a a six- or seven-month commitment. You block out one day a week where you you say, okay, this is my time. I'm going to be talking with uh, Gary Schiffman or somebody else about some of my investments. I mean, how, how do you discipline yourself? Yeah, I think you said it there perfectly. It's discipline, but let alone a great ability to compartmentalize things. And so for me, Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm really heavy on, uh, on business and, and really have the opportunity to take phone calls, uh, as well as zooms or whatever it may be in this particular day and age. And then obviously from a football perspective, it's really Wednesday through Sunday. Um, but we have times throughout the day where we have dead periods, um, like we usually for our particular team in Tampa, when we're done with practice, We've probably got an hour and a half, two-hour window before we start meetings again. Uh, individual meetings to watch practice film, things like that. So I'll take calls between that time frame or on the way home. Uh, can throw on um, my Bluetooth on in the car and listen to a call or take a call, whatever it may be. And obviously have time in the afternoons outside of treatment, uh, which typically happens for me on Thursdays and, uh, and Fridays. So I think there's a lot of flexibility. And some people understand it. I'll take calls on Saturday because on Saturdays we're in the office for a short amount of time. It's usually unless unless we're traveling, and even when we're traveling, can be flexible. Uh, we're usually just in Saturdays from eight o'clock in the morning to eleven, and I've got the whole rest of the afternoon 
to do things uh, if I if I so choose or catch up on email. So I think people realize that yes, football has, is very very demanding, but at the same time, we do have a good amount of off time where you can be very flexible, and especially people understanding that you you, you do have a, a main job, they work around your schedule as well. And Tom, can I mean? I- it's interesting. This sort of takes us back to, to the beginning as, as we wrap up to, to some extent. But, you know, you talked about your own evolution across 11 years in the league. It does feel like, and I think Lynch, you would agree, that we have seen an acceleration in terms of the business acumen and the business ambition of a lot of pro athletes, not the least of which, you know, in the NFL, you think about some of your teammates, you know, both in Tampa, the aforementioned Mr. Brady and, and others, uh, you know, who, who become very serious about their businesses while they were playing. This is not the days anymore of, you know, I'm going to play and and then after that I'm going to worry about, you know, being being a businessman. What do you think, you know, as you've talked to people, sort of precipitated that? Why did that happen for you and and why has it seemed to have happened more broadly as, as we look at pro athletes? I think there's there's a two-pronged approach on this and it's one of the two silos in my particular opinion. One is kind of a focus of guys saying, hey, I want to uh, have the ability to do marketing deals and earn equity and do different things from that perspective, which is typical in the offseason for guys to do, uh, especially being able to do it with smaller companies and kind of use your name and likeness from that aspect. But more so for myself, because I've kind of pushed away a little bit for marketing, even though I still enjoy and enjoy doing it and having fun with it as well. And being able to have some of those relationships and, and, and continue to grow. But also, I want to be able to have something, as soon as I decide I want to be done playing football, I want to roll right into my next gig and not really have a low period. Or if I choose to have a little bit of low period, it's my decision and kind of things are already on autopilot outside. So I don't have to kind of worry about, oh, what's my next focus in life after I get done playing football, because I think that's where you see a lot of people struggle and where they have issues with family uh, as well as just financially. They don't really, they didn't really have a plan leaving the game or the sport and saying, all right, I'm going to transition into this. And that's where things usually fall through the crack. And there's a lot of struggling uh, until obviously get back on their feet. And so I think that was my one of my main focuses. It was like football can be taken away from me at any point in time. Mm. Uh, God forbid in any particular injury or anything of that nature. But I want to be able to have a plan, and I want to be able to use my brain to eventually be more successful off the field than I was on the field. And Dominic, thank you so much. It was really great to catch up with you. Congratulations again uh, on the big win, and, and congratulations even more widely on, on all the success you've had. It was really cool to kind of dig into uh, this ever-expanding portfolio, and, and you are far from done, it sounds like, both on the field uh, and off. So it's, it's nice to see uh, that ambition really take hold. So we, we appreciate you spending some time with us. No, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and, and I look forward to another opportunity here in the future. And uh, thank you again. It's It's been amazing to be able to be a champion. I'm going to soak it up for the next three or four months and then pass it on to the family, let them take all the honor, and hopefully have an opportunity to go win another one. Yeah, there you go. Well, it, it, you guys are uh, odds on. Odds on. You're looking good. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Jason Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Mike Lynch. That was a fascinating interview. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. 
And we're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We're going to talk with Ben Sherwood. He's the former president of ABC, now the CEO and founder of a company called Mojo. has to do with the very, very big business of youth sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business to Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.